Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I really think that we're living in a day where uh, we need a fresh encounter with God's love. We need a little bit more love in the world. There's a whole lot of segregation, disunity, hostility, and unfortunately, we don't have all of our congregation back because of all the dynamics of the season. And yet, uh, we've got watch parties happening right now across our city, and we, we need to really understand this thing of God's love. And I want to speak into that today. I want to invite you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read from verses 14 to 19. I ministered from this passage a couple of weeks ago online, uh, talking about how there's always more in God. And I want to deal with some of the first verses of this passage before I uh, preached on verse 20 a few weeks ago. And it says this, verse 14, For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to speak to you today on the subject, did you learn to love well? Did you learn to love well? Bob Jones is a uh, prophet of yesteryear, uh, quite credible and and well-known prophet um, in the estates uh, of the 20th century. He passed away Uh, recently, and back in 1975, he shares a story of having an encounter in heaven where uh, he stands before God, and God asks him a question that Bob Jones didn't expect. And the question, the only question that God asked Bob Jones was, did you learn to love well? And he came back with a message to the church and said, there's only one question that will be asked of you. Did you learn to love well. The greatest tragedy in life would be to stand at the gates of eternity and realise you've missed the point. Many of us are so preoccupied with our perspectives and opinions in this season, with our careers, our finances, what social media is saying, that we're in danger of missing the point of what it's all about. Culture highlights the cry of the human heart for love, but unfortunately, it gives us a very distorted view of what love is. One of the Greek words for love is eros, where we get words like erotica from and things like this. It's a romantic, sensual notion uh, when it comes to this idea of love. And if you check out, you know, the top 100 songs on iTunes, over 90% of them, when talking about love, would be talking about a sort of an eros type of love. Many of the dramas and movies, when it looks at the issue of intimacy, affection, love, is simply addressing the eros aspect of love. If you are seeking to understand this world and humanity by 
current media alone, you would be thinking that sex and self is the meaning of life, but sex isn't the meaning of life and self isn't the meaning of life. Woke culture tells us that love is the blind acceptance of all lifestyle preferences because after all, our culture tells us love is love, but that is not what the Bible teaches. We've got to come back to God's Word being our foundation, not taking our cue from the culture. And in 1 John 4, 8, the Bible says, God is love. And so if God is the source of love, then God defines what love is. Our culture doesn't define it. The news doesn't define it. A university professor doesn't define it. God defines it. We are not autonomous moral agents dictating our own destinies. We are totally dependent upon the Creator in every aspect of our lives. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 17, 28, for in Him we live and move and have our being. Everything we are, every fibre of our being, every breath from our lungs is because of the grace of a Creator God that loves us and created us in His image and likeness. Matthew 22, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, which is the great commandment? In other words, what's the point of life? What's the purpose of life? What's the goal of life? And Jesus said, quoted Deuteronomy and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as you love yourself. In other words, the goal of life is to love God and people well. That's why Paul says in verse 17, we are to be rooted and grounded in love. The love that Paul is talking about is agape love. He's talking about God's ultimate self-sacrificing love. You see, love and sacrifice go hand in hand. If we don't embrace sacrifice, we don't understand the kingdom of God. We live in a culture where everything's got to be convenient comfortable for ourselves and yet that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't deserve it, when we were ignorant of even who God is and, and, and his relevance in our lives, when we were lost in our sin, God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. Sadly, some of us look at love as almost like a lightweight doctrine in the Bible compared to miracles, compared to the supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, compared to all things power evangelism in the community or maybe successful Christian living. Love is sort of looked at as almost like a kindergarten doctrine, but you need to understand every miracle finds its source in love. In fact, the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. They were harassed and helpless and something in his heart desperately broke for them and he had love for them. And because he had love and compassion for them, he healed their sick, the Bible says. In other words, the miraculous in Jesus' ministry flowed out of his heart of love for people. There's a reason why 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, 
He's sandwiched between a discussion on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and prophecy in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. And often you'll be at a wedding and 1 Corinthians 13 will be quoted at us, love is patient, love is kind. And that's good and okay, but the Apostle Paul didn't have your and my wedding in mind when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. He was addressing an issue of people making their perspectives on all things of the Spirit more important than the motivation for moving in the Spirit, which is to... To love people. He was saying the ultimate motive for moving in the gifts of the Spirit is to love people. That's why Paul begins his discourse in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, not by saying pursue gifts, he said pursue love. And secondly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, If God is love and Paul calls us to pursue love, then God is calling us to pursue himself. Because as we pursue God, the nature of love, the nature of who God is, sacrificial, unconditional, sharing, giving, generosity, all of these things will become part of our nature. Before Oral Roberts passed away, he was a famous healing evangelist in the States in the 20th century, many, many people, miraculous healings. And around his deathbed, all of these Christian leaders gathered around and uh, one of uh, the sons of one of these Christian leaders was there pestering Oral Roberts, literally uh, in the final days of his life, to lay hands upon this young man and impart this extraordinary healing gift. Until finally, Oral Roberts looked at him and said, son, fall more in love with people and your healing ministry will take care of itself. You see, Oral Roberts understood that the source, the, the, the foundation of all powerful ministry that advances the kingdom of God across the earth is rooted and grounded in a heart of love for God and people. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, I can have faith to move mountains. I can have prophetic powers to understand mysteries. I I can give away all the money that I have. I can speak or sing in the tongues of angels. But if I don't have love, I am nothing. You see, you can sacrifice under the banner of religion or spirituality, but in fact, not actually love. Several years ago, and I've shared this story several times, but Uh, when we were leading uh, and planting our first church. It was Christmas time, about this time of year. And uh, we were uh, planning for our Christmas services to do big outreaches to the community. And I was uh, running to a a team meeting to plan all things Christmas services. And as I was walking through the mall to the meeting in our offices out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, I walked past a homeless man appeared to be homeless lying down on a bench and as I walked past the Holy Spirit said uh, go get him some water and and I'm sort of like processing this thought go get him some water and I'm like you know having an internal dialogue with God God this is um, inconvenient I've got a meeting to go to to plan to reach the masses for your glory and honor and he said go to your fridge empty your fridge of the bottles of water and go down and give him water 
And so I went and did that, asked him if he was thirsty and uh, gave him some water. And then as I walked away, the Holy Spirit said, now go get him some food. I'm like, God, don't you understand I'm a busy pastor? I'm trying to represent your kingdom here and get services created. Don't you understand what's going on? He says, go get him some food. So I go get him some food. I said, I hope you're hungry. And uh, I give this guy food and, and minister to him. And I walk away and the Lord says, now go get him some clothes. And by now I'm starting to wisen up to the fact that God's perspective on how my day should run will trump my plans. And so we go get him some clothes and, and, and that was a whole process and took 30, 40 minutes. And then I, by then I didn't walk away the, the third time. I just sat and waited for the next instruction because clearly this was not going the way I planned it. And the Holy Spirit said, now, how's he going to get home? I said, I don't know. You worked that out. He goes, well, ask him. I said, uh, sir, how, uh, now you've got all that stuff. Do you have somewhere to live? How are you going to get home? And he, in fact, had a commissioned housing flat that he lived out of, has just been living on the streets, wrestling with addiction and all sorts of things. And anyway, put him into my nicely cleaned uh, car and uh, we went to his house, started to ask him about his life. He had, was a business owner. Uh, his marriage had separated, he'd lost his business, gone bankrupt all, through lots of poor choices. And we got to his house, unloaded the stuff, prayed for him and, and led him to the Lord. I got back into my car and sobbed like a baby because I realised I'd missed the point of the Christmas season. I missed the point of what it was all about. And we can get so caught up in the busyness of our lives, in the convenience of how does this serve ourselves, that you never really understand what it means to love someone until it's inconvenient to you. Unfortunately, I think most of us are in love with the concept of loving people than the action. It's easier to love people in our dreams than it is in practice. And where love is an optional extra versus the priority of life, there will be sickness somewhere in our souls. All of life's dysfunctions find their root in a lack of experience of God's love. In fact, a um, well-known and uh, anointed man of God once said, I'm convinced that the root cause of all demonic activity in someone's life is the absence of God's love. You see, 1 John 4, 18 says there's, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We're all broken when we're separated from God and even when we come into relationship with God, we're being restored, we're being mended. There's dysfunction in our lives. But I wanna tell you today, there's no fear in love. When you know that you're loved by God, when you've experienced it, you're not just a head knowledge, but a heart experience, Fear has no place in your life anymore because you're not approaching life based upon the viewpoint of the world or based upon trying to compare yourself to measure up to others. You're, you, you are approaching your life out of a healthy identity in Christ that knows that you are loved by God. If the brokenness of our humanity is going to be transformed, God's love must be experienced, not just understood. What does the Bible say in verse 19? We are to know the love that surpasses all knowledge. How on earth do you know a love that surpasses all 
knowledge. How does that work? Are you like trying to mess with me, Paul? Like what's happening here? Well, I think one of the keys is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It's to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not lean on your own understanding. We have this fixation in our culture that we've got to understand everything with our minds for us to experience it. But apparently, according to God, it's not only possible to trust God with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding, it's a command from God. We're commanded to do that. We're going to trust God with our hearts when we don't understand it in our heads. We struggle with this because we're bought into two lies of our culture. Number one, if we can explain it, we can understand it. And number two, we can only experience what we understand. However, I want to say to everyone who's ever fallen in love with someone, when was the last time you experienced love in a way you couldn't explain? I remember my first date with my lovely wife. It was a surreal experience. We've been married 21 years this coming January. We've been together. By then, it'll be 27 years And I remember that first time, I can't explain it to you. I don't understand it. But all I know is I was swept off my feet. I I was smitten. And although it was more of a puppy love stage right there in that beginning, it was sort of this totally surreal experience where over several months as we spent time together, got to know each other, you fell in love. You couldn't explain it. You couldn't fully understand it. But gee, I experienced it. And I want to tell you today, if you have to understand God's love before you experience it, you're removing one of the greatest joys of being in relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that is one of the reasons why rationalism in our culture will struggle with the mystery of faith. I think it is the height of arrogance to assume that we as God's creation have to understand everything about the mysteries of the universe before we actually experience the God who created the universe. Knowledge without experience is an inferior reality. And a knowledge of God without an experience of His love is an inferior reality. It's pure religion. And the Pharisees had a knowledge of God, but they missed the Son of God that the Scriptures pointed to. They knew all the facts. They knew all of the clinical elements of the Torah. They knew what the prophets said, but they missed the experience of who God was because they weren't motivated. They weren't coming from a heart of love, but from a heart of law. And we're going to be careful that we don't, in this season, look at life and what's happening all around us purely through the filter of the black and white law, but we understand that there is a higher law, there is a higher doctrine, and it is called the law of love. You see, knowing God's love through experience is the key to living in the fullness of God. The Bible says, that we're to know the love that surpasses knowledge so that you and I may be filled with all the fullness of God. How, how, Paul, you're presenting us with a few challenges here. How can you and I be filled with all the fullness of God? I reckon God's quite a lot bigger than just you and I. His fullness, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. 
See, the, God wants us to live out of a place of fullness and overflow, not out of a place of emptiness. Blaise Pascal said this, he said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. So many of us get so busy attempting to fill the void, the vacuum of our hearts with temporary delights. And maybe you're here today and you attend church and you're watching online and and you acknowledge in your head the reality of this, but your heart is still empty and your heart is still thirsty because you're looking to the things of this world to satisfy the void and emptiness in your heart. I remember a story of two sailors lost at sea in the Atlantic Ocean. They run out of water and they see a ship coming, a boat coming on the horizon, and they signal to the boat, give us some water, only to have the signal come back, let down your bucket. And they're like, we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. They must must have misunderstood. Let's signal again. Uh, Give us some water, only for the signal to come back, let down your bucket. And what they didn't realise is that the stretch of Atlantic Ocean they are in is where the fresh waters of the Amazon River travel 250 kilometres into the Atlantic Ocean, pushing the saltwater content one to two to three feet below the surface. And so they let down their bucket and they brought up fresh drinking water. And so often I think we get so busy looking to the horizon of the world to try and satisfy the void that's in our hearts. We miss the rivers of living water that are flowing right underneath us and right out of the Spirit of God's presence inside of us. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. God wants to satisfy your thirst with His love. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at that well in John 4, 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Speaking of natural things, but whoever drinks of the living water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God wants us to live from a full heart, filled with His Spirit, filled with His love. He says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Present, continuous, every moment of every day, overflowing fullness. There is a place in God that you can live in, even in the midst of your weakness and all of the fatigue of this season where you live out of the fullness of God. He says in this passage, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God, the key being to know the love that surpasses all knowledge. You see, God's love will only work through you to the degree it lives in you. God's love will only work through you to the degree it lives and works in you. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, Jesus quoting that great commandment, a second is like it. Listen to it, so key. Love your neighbour as, everybody say as. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. That word as means equally, like, in the same way. And I've discovered in my own life, let alone 
my observation in pastoring people, many of us are okay with God's love working through us, but not always okay with God's love working in us or God's love living in us. Not so okay with loving ourselves. That's not a a self-pride kind of love. It's a healthy uh, identity in Christ love. It's understanding that that, uh, we're not to indulge in self-hatred. I think, unfortunately, some of us have a PhD in self-hatred and wonder why we struggle in relationships. How can you truly love your neighbour as you love yourself if you hate yourself? If you, if you are constantly angry at yourself. One time, many years ago, I went through a really difficult season and I, I was getting up mad at myself and upset at myself. And, and often, aren't we our harshest critics when we're going through stuff? And the Lord showed me this vision of a horse and a carriage and uh, the, the driver was whipping the horse. And I saw, and the face of the horse was my face, and the face of the driver was my face. And the Lord's like, son, ease up. You, you, you're literally whipping yourself. You're driving yourself. And many people are horse whipping ourselves to the point of exhaustion because we haven't allowed God's love to fill our hearts. We haven't allowed God's love to fill us to overflowing to its fullness. No wonder we have so much conflict and hostility in our world and people pushing other people away. I've never seen anything like it. But if we thought there was hostility a couple of years ago, there is right now as people, even believers, will just push people away because of their particular perspectives. When our experience of love is filtered through a performance orientation, as long as we're doing okay and we're up, then then it's all good. The world is good, relationships are good. But if we live through a performance orientation, when we're not performing, then we're down. Our relationships are bad, things are not good. And so our relationships with people is determined by our performance orientation. I wanna say to you today, God loves you beyond your ability to perform for Him. He doesn't expect a performance from you. He wants this to be genuinely authentic to the core and agape kind of love that is a kingdom sacrificing love, that is a love that goes beyond all human understanding and undeserved love. St. Augustine said this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. If we were the only ones dead in our sin, he would still come and lay his life down. I don't know how he'd do it. We'd probably be the ones who would kill him. But he would do it because he loves us. One of the great pictures uh, of the relationship that the father has with us in the modern day in sport is of a father and son team called Team Hoyt. It's the story of a a father of retiring age whose cerebral palsy son wanted to compete in a marathon and then ultimately in the uh, Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. And uh, his son couldn't compete, didn't have the ability to, was obviously disabled and needed support, but had this desire, asked his dad to train for it. And so uh, being sort of retiring age, there was a lot of hesitancy to, you know, uh, for this father to do Ironmans and all sorts of things and, you know, 3.8K swim, 180K bike ride and a 42-kilometre run all in one event. 
right? And so this father begins to train and they enter fun runs and they work up to a marathon and then the most moving images is to see this father actually swim in open water with a rope around his waist, dragging his uh, uh, son in a rubber dinghy uh, through these ocean waters and then getting to the shore, carrying his son to the bike, putting him on a bike and then riding 180 kilometres and then picking him up, putting him on another uh, contraption and, and pushing him for 42 kilometres. And as he gets down that finishing chute, thousands of people are screaming, crying, as this father and son team, in absolute fatigue, push themselves across the finish line. And I thought, gee, isn't that a picture just like of you and I in our relationship with Father God? We're disabled in our spirits and in our souls because of sin. We're broken. We can't do things in our own strength. And yet our heavenly Father sent His one and only Son because of His love for us. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And His Son stretched Himself out upon a cross and did the heavy lifting on our behalf so that you and I could be reconciled and reunited into right relationship with God. I wanna tell you today, our church, our world needs a revelation of the power of God's love in this season because to the degree that God love works in you will be the degree that God's love lives through you. And so you need to understand that there's coming a day where we're all gonna have to answer a question as we stand before God. Did you learn to love well? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.